0: Hello, this is Adam S Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. A quick plug before we start. My folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwells and Waterstones. And now, back to your regularly scheduled RetroTube. <laughs> Welcome to RetroTube. It's not the only Archive TV podcast, but it's certainly this Archive TV podcast. This is part two of Adam and Heather's Adventure Game Conversation, so if you haven't listened to our Darotastic part one, it might be a good idea to go back and catch up with that first, otherwise some of the references won't make sense, and also we'll tut loudly but not say anything. If you have listened to part one, congratulations, you've earned a yellow square drogner. Pop it in the slot and join us for series two of The Adventure Game.
1: Then we went on to the second episode and I had seen who was going to be in this episode before I watched it. And so naturally, I was very, very excited because one of the people who was in the little team was Graham Garden from The Goodies.
0: (laughs) I knew knew you'd appreciate.
1: Ah, I love (laughs) Graham Garden. I love Graham Garden so much. Like, seriously, can we talk about how much I love Graham Garden? Let's talk
0: about how much you like Graham Garden. You like you like Graeme and you like Tim. What were your thoughts on Bill, though? Do you like Bill?
1: I never met Bill. I never got to know Bill. Yeah. But I did kind of get to know Tim and Graeme a little bit over the course of a few months, and they are... Tim was, uh, but Graeme still is. Just a lovely, lovely pair of chaps, and there's just nothing I don't love about them. Like, they're really funny, still, and, like, naturally funny, not sort of... Because you do get a lot of comedians or comedy actors and, you know, writers who are funny on screen or funny on stage. And
0: then they're Jerry Lewis.
1: They're just so morose and douchey. And Tim and Graham are not like that at all. They're just completely lovely and really engaging and they they are always happy to see you and... Oh, just love, just love them. Graham Garden, one of the nicest people in the whole wide world.
0: He comes across as really nice in this, doesn't he? He's very quiet. He really does. But just very laid back, very softly spoken. He always seems quite happy.
1: Yeah, I just love him. I love him a lot. Um, he is not a secret Scouser, however, he is a secret Prestonian.
0: Okay, huh?
1: Yes. He grew up, and this this is one of the conversations I had with him. He was born in Scotland, um, so he's a secret Scotsman. And when he was small, they moved to Preston, which is not too far from where I used to live and in fact spent most of my working life in Preston. So I said to him, I know that you're originally from Scotland, but I did read that you grew up in Preston, and I'm from Preston too. Whereabouts did you grow up? And he said that he grew up in a place called Broughton, which is a really nice, um, it's kind of like north of Preston, and it's lots of beautiful countryside, right on the edge of the Ribble Valley. Lovely, lovely place. And I said, oh, I used to work in Broughton. He said, did you? I said, yeah. I said, it was, well, it was just outside of Broughton. It was, um, it was a vet lab in Barton. He said, oh, right, there you go. I said, I said yeah, it was, uh, it was really glamorous. I had to type postmortems on cows. And he went, <laughs> what? And I went, yeah, um, I can't really tell you much more than that apart from the fact that I did learn how to type the word diarrhoea. <laughs> and he absolutely cracked up laughing. And he said, well... That's certainly something to put on your CV, (laughs) is. And I went, yeah. And he said, So, the famous Prestonians, Nick Park, me, and you. And I was like, (laughs) Well. Certainly it's You a, and Nick Park. <laughs>
0: it's a very, a very nice trio of people. <laughs>
1: well, you know, impressive Nick Park play. seems really lovely. Is he? He seems I don't it. Think he invented sure the Sheep. Yeah, so he's,
0: he, he's, he he, he, he also be. seems like a very kind of genteel, softly spoken, affable kind of chap. Hello,
2: and welcome to Adventure Game. Well, today's visitors are just arriving here at the studio. There's uh, Nicholas Hammond, the maestro of the magic cube the well-known goodie and star whose turn it is to be challenged, Graham Garden, and the yes. Play School star presenter, actress, and part-time potterer, Carol Chell. Oh, well, of course, they've got no idea at all what's in store for them. They haven't been into the studio before, and we've not told them anything at all about it. All they do know is they're going on a journey across time and space to Arg, a little-known planet on the far side of the galaxy inhabited by a race of dragons.
1: When they said Nicholas Hammond, mm. I thought they meant the guy who played Friedrich in The Sound of Music, and then oh. went on to be Spider-Man in the Spider-Man TV show.
0: That would be something. Instead, we got Stretched Adric. Uh, yeah, which you wouldn't have met Adric yet, but this is like a six foot eight tall version of him. He, he's a he's a. Big lad. He's a big lad. Yes, he's our um, civilian of the week. So he, uh, I think, was most famous at that time for being a Rubik's cube champion. He went on to become the first person in the world ever to make a internet banking transaction.
1: Well, check him out.
0: Mm, so that's that's something.
1: And we also learn in the course of this episode that he has an O level in maths. <laughs> an
0: so, O level. Uh, he's a bridge player, he's a f he became a field hockey commentator. Bizarrely. What? Yeah, he's got a whole he's got a big Wikipedia page. He's lived left a very colourful life.
1: And he went to the Planet Arg with Graham Garden. Yeah.
0: He got to spend a day with Graham Garden and Carol Chell off of play school. That's right.
1: And also somebody else that we've met previously. Oh, who's that? Leslie Judge. Leslie Judge, of
0: course, yes. So this is we're on series two now. So the whole thing is completely different. They've completely changed the design. They've changed the format, more or less. They've Changed the theme tune. They've changed the theme tune. It's all very
1: confusing for me, but I did like the fact that everybody gets introduced properly.
0: Yes, we know who these people are. They're not just—they don't just arrive and we go, "Who's this man?" Yes. What's he? Be- why is he behaving like this towards my Avon?
1: Exactly. I mean, we did ask that repeatedly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> through the course of the episode, but uh, yeah, yeah, everybody gets introduced like a normal human being, and I liked that a lot better. I don't know who the random guy at the beginning was because he doesn't random guy he doesn't come back. He just sort of like is is there and is like, well, they're going into a film studio now and they're going to...
0: Random guy. This is Patrick Dowling himself. This is the creator oh. of the show. This is, this is now God. Now you see,
1: he went around and he introduced everybody else, but not himself. Not himself he didn't say, yes. hi, I'm Patrick Dowling, <laughs> the guy who invented all this shit.
0: <laughs> yes. So in the first series, they are travellers who have had their essential crystal nicked. But in this one, they are deliberately going to uh, ARG to take part in the, the games in order to... Uh, um, I don't know, actually. I don't know why they're going. Do they win a crystal? I know they're doing the later series. The, the aim is to win crystals. But yes, they, they are actual adventurers this time. And the whole thing does feel much more like an adventure, as we'll see as it goes through. So it start. Well, the very first shot, oddly, is of the studio floor and all the cameras and things in position. So there's a weird thing up front where they're kind of breaking the illusion a little and Patrick Dowling is very clear about the fact that they're arriving at TV Centre and they're about to step into this studio and they're about to take part in a programme but also they're getting into a shuttle and they're going to the planet ARG. So it's kind of having its cake and eating it a bit. And I didn't really notice that at the time. To me, it was really evocative. Like, this idea of such a mundane start, turning up in a black cab to this concrete brutalist 1950s building with a very old school teachery man with a grey beard and his Tony Hart accent coming up and introducing the show and just it all felt very normal and then suddenly you're on this tube train that flies through space and goes through the stars and it goes down like a scary psychedelic whirlpool and that kind of thing and it's yeah that just that idea of starting in this very mundane place to go from this space adventure a bit like when i was quite young and i first watched 2001 a space odyssey and it was just apes and desert for ages just apes and desert Desert and apes apes and desert and then suddenly spaceships whoa so it's a similar sort of feeling it's just this very mundane earthy environment then suddenly off oh. but actually yeah watching it now he does sort of say yes we're about to do a tv show but also they're really doing this space exploration make a choice patrick Come down on one or the other. Exactly. But I like him. He's very old. I like how old school he is.
1: I have written, the, the planet is still called Arg. I certainly feel Arg right now. <laughs> <laughs> My poor nerves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it, it doesn't get any easier, the, uh, the array of puzzles laid out before you. No, no. And just like a big jumble. It's like they've got a sack of puzzles and have just tipped them out. There's no obvious progression through them. They tell you what the progression through them is, but... When you're just arriving at it, there's no obvious path through this set of head scratches.
1: Absolutely not. And you, you can you can see everybody being very much like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Even if you had already seen the adventure game and you were like a fan of the adventure game. Yeah. And then your agent called you and said, hey, do you fancy going on the adventure game? And you'd say, oh, the hell to the Y-E-S, kid. <laughs> I had... I would love that. That would, be, that would be the ultimate. I'd be made up to do that. You would still go on to the show and be like, what the hell's going on? I don't... What, what even is this? This makes even less sense. This makes less sense here than it does on television. And believe me, it makes no sense on television. This is true. Oh, I'm having a panic attack just thinking about it.
0: Well, I think this series two is my favourite of all four series. This came out in 1982, so I'd have been right the right sort of age so I would have been seven I think I think I would have just been fairly newly seven. Aww. And it's the most distinctive because it's got the arrival by taxi and it's the only one with the introduction by Patrick Dowling and the only one, I think, with that shuttle. And it's the only one that has Leslie Judd as the prisoner and then the whole mole thing. So there's a lot about it that's quite distinctive. And, the, and also the theme tune. It's weird because that theme tune, which is a brass band version of Edvard Grieg's Norwegian Dancer's Opus 35 Number 2.
1: Obviously. I was thinking
0: that. And I couldn't find the source for this music. Uh, possibly the Gus band, G-U-S band, which is a brass band. Yeah, often you can find like s- the specific recording for any theme tune. It, even the Monty Python one is quite difficult to track down, but it's possible. But this one, I've no idea where they sourced this music from. Uh, it sounds a bit like... The ink is black. The ink is black. Pages white Together we learn to read and write Which we sang at school It was a hit for Three Dog Night But we sang it as a hymn at school Bizarre, Right <laughs> Because these things happen
3: The ink is black The page is white
0: decades later i looked up episodes on youtube and i really had no memory at all of the classic rondo classical guitar theme tune it was this norwegian dancers one which i really associated with the adventure game bizarrely even though this was the shortest lived one but it's yeah very evocative i like how most other science fiction in that time was using quite spacey futuristic smoke synthesizer music and things and but in the adventure game, we have a brass band, and that's rather lovely. I like because a brass of band.
1: There was there was a brass band in the second series, and then in the first series, it was all very Tudor-like. Yes. So it was all... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all very, very genteel and, and quintessentially English.
0: Isn't it? Yeah. And we also meet Rangdo, who is uncle. He's the leader of the Argons. In the first series... He, When he appeared as a human, although we didn't see that in the episode we watched, he's played by Ian Messiter, creator of Just a Minute. He appears as an actor in The Adventure Game.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. That's good info.
0: But in future series, including this one, he's played by an Aspidistra.
1: Well, why not? A
0: very, very angry and irritable and grumpy Aspidistra who shakes and growls if you touch him or go near him. Oh, uh, yeah. Like me. Yeah. And he appears to just, in this series, go rawr. You okay, Uncle? Rawr. But I'm sure in future series, it's much more of a distinctive... Rawr. That's what I remember it as. Because that was another very copyable thing that you can do. But no, he just goes, rawr, in this one. <laughs> like you watching The Incredible Hulk.
3: Rawr. 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 Uh
1: Yes, you just like making that noise. I
0: do, it's very sad. I've always liked making that noise. Yeah, I
1: just I feel like it's quite therapeutic for you.
0: There are two sound effects that it's really fun to replicate from children's TV of that era. One is that one, and the other one is either the engine, we you go... Psh-t-coo.
1: You must feel great right now.
0: I'm having a whale of a time.
1: I can tell.
0: <laughs> and then we meet Leslie Judd. What a traitor. We too. What an absolute rotter. I know. She's in league with the Argons.
1: I even wrote in my notes, Leslie Judd is in this one too. She's a mole, a spy, OMG. But I feel like she's too nice for that. Ha! Huh, ha! Huh. How wrong How wrong I? you were.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's in the whole of series two. She is the regular, the regular spy. So she pretends to be a captive every week. Ugh. She feigns being in prison. It's just... There have been some Blue Peter scandals in that time. But Leslie Judd as an alien turncoat... I would have thought that would be one of the big ones. I would say. Snorting a bit of cocaine is nothing next to being a traitor to your entire species.
1: Exactly. Honestly. Even worse than your entire species, specifically Graham Garden.
0: Specifically Graham Garden, exactly.
1: How dare she. Never going to forgive you, Leslie (laughs) (laughs) Judd.
3: My name's Gnord. Welcome to ARG. Thank you. Do come across. It's quite safe at the moment. The evaporator isn't switched on yet.
2: Ah. Can we walk straight across?
3: Yes. It's a vortex evaporator made by my uncle. Yes, do you want to hand?
0: Thank you.
3: Careful you don't fall through into outer space.
0: Yeah. All right, yes, I will be. <laughs> so the whole place has been redesigned. It's no longer that kind of dingy, dark grey cave. It's now much bigger and very spacey and spacious and backlit white White. panels and that kind of thing and pastel blues and pinks and
1: it's got a kitchen which is great
0: it's got a kitchen and we see the vortex for the first time on the way It's another thing whether it's safe to go across it but on the way back oh my goodness it'll be switched on oh it definitely feels much bigger and it, it feels a lot more like a space that you can move through That there are inter- interconnected rooms And specific route through Rather than just In the first series It was pretty much just three rooms Essentially mm. In a studio But this does feel like You actually board And come through the boarding la- boarding area Across the vortex Through the, the ticket office And that kind of thing And the ticket office itself Was very nostalgic It it gave me feels No one says that anymore But it did You got the feels <laughs> Aww These... particularly studio sets in children's TV shows that you haven't watched in decades, they feel like a room in your house that you've forgotten about. It's like, oh, yes, I'm here. I'm home.
3: It's that kind of thing.
0: Or another room in your personal TARDIS.
1: Yeah, I get that.
0: Yeah, you go through that and then you go through another door and you're in the play school set and there's the clock over there and there's the three windows and you go through another one and there's the interior of the box from Maths in a Box. So it does feel like that. This is how you imagine the BBC TV centre: just to be lots of interconnected sets. It's not individual studios; it's these standing sets that are there the whole time. I think so. They're not struck between shows; they're just nope. per- permanently there, like you can just wander through. It's it's the TARDIS console room. But yes, it does. I was saying something similar about the opening titles of Battle of the Planets: that it, it's not even necessarily a nostalgic rush so much as like, oh yes, this is this is just home.
1: Yeah understand that. It
0: just feels like almost too familiar to be nostalgic. It's just like I'm back I'm back in my living room in Carlton Scroop. Yes, I lived in a place called Carlton Scroop.
1: That's going to take me quite a while to process.
0: <laughs> we had a um a microwave beacon.
1: Oh. Anyway. I feel like those two completely unrelated pieces of information that would have been explained as though <laughs> one is is the the cause of the other. But,
0: um... <laughs> I lived in Culton's group. We had a microwave beacon. It was something to do with the Cold War, and I don't know. Anyway, this is entirely irrelevant. Something occurred to me as well, and I did a bit of Twitter research as well. So thank you to uh, John Wilson and also our friend Hugh Thomas. We love you. For confirming this. So for a Doctor Who adventure called The Mutants, the designer for that, who was a chap called Jeremy bear who just sounds like a toy?
1: Yeah. Oh, Jeremy Bear. Oh.
0: Jeremy Bear. So he was the designer on the Mutants. It sounds
1: at- so cuddly.
0: <laughs> and he made this moulding for the to construct the set walls out of, which was made up of a triangle, interconnected triangular pattern, with circles at each corner. Yeah. To make a futuristic-looking set, and this was this was a plastic mould he designed. And he was slightly surprised to see this crop up again and again in future Doctor Who episodes. This was seen... I think Romana's bedroom was constructed of this stuff and loads and loads of episodes. And I'm sure it turned up in Blake 7. I know for a fact it turned up in at least series one of the adventure game. I don't think we saw it, but in the there's a computer room which appears in other episodes, which the walls are made out of this interconnected triangle panelling. And I'm sure this must be where they got... The Vortex game idea from because it is essentially a bigger version of that design. So it's the interlocking triangles with the circle, the disc at each corner. Yeah. As the platforms that you stand on. It can't be coincident, surely, that they, they you, used you that very not. thing in their own set in the previous series. And now there it is on the floor and it's all dangerous than that. Yes. It was probably Patrick Dowling found a piece of this wall went, hmm... I have an idea.
1: I can nick that.
0: So I really like the set. I like this one a lot more. This one feels more like an adventure as well. So not just the journey of them going, actually seeing them go through space and going through the whirlpool and arriving on the planet Arg, but also just that there are multiple rooms for them to go through and it does feel like a linear space to move through. So it feels like that it is actually an adventure.
1: Yes, it does. Leslie Judd, as we've discussed, is the spy and she
0: she's a very naughty girl she
1: is and at one point she locks graham garden into a tunnel and he has to navigate his way through this black tunnel that has no light and his torch has gone off and there are cobwebs and there are scary laughy kind of noises
0: he's well for it he
1: had such a strop when he came out um, it was the cutest thing i've ever seen it's about as cute as when you go mad in fact i was thinking oh he loses his temper like adam s leslie <laughs>
0: oh yeah i mean you say it's such a strop this is a graham garden strop so it's very very genial
1: <laughs> it's so genial i think he may
0: <laughs> he, <laughs> he may have frowned slightly he does stay at
1: the end I don't like this game anymore. And yes, I think he does, he doesn't may he? may fold his arms.
0: He, he may be trying not to cry.
3: <laughs> yeah, he his was bottom is trying not to cry.
0: <laughs> I don't like this I game mean, anymore.
3: It's Graham Scott. look, have a look, have a look. Don't go! for something. Have a look, see? Have a look, see? Oh, uh, there you are, madam, and sirs. If you'd like to step through here into the library... Oh, but, where's Graham? If you'd like to pass... Or, pardon? Where's Graham? Pardon? Graham. Oh, get his <laughs> trumpet. Where's Graham? If you'd like to, get to pass. Well. Ah. 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 pass... Pardon? Oh, madam, you are so kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> <gasps> just before you hang go, on, on, <laughs> on, you let look me down. Door, just don't go a minute because you might need this. A hello. Hello.
2: How did
3: you come <laughs> through? Oh, hello. i just so,
2: been down an extremely great. unpleasant that's where tunnel. I, where I, where was what was it?
3: What was it? Because that's where
2: I came in. It was terrifying. Oh. It was all dark and sort of cobwebs.
3: Yes, I know. People laughing
2: see and you. my torch going out, and mm. I don't want to play this game anymore.
1: Oh, crap! <laughs> No, he was so sweet about it. Well, to to be honest, I'm terrified of the dark. So if that had happened to me, I don't think it would have be. I think all, all of my reaction would have been edited out of a children's show. So, yeah, I felt I did feel really sorry for him because I know things happened after that. But I didn't make any notes about it. But I did write, I can't bear Nicholas typing with one finger. Please make it stop <laughs> because I'm a secretary. I was a secretary back in the day. I can't, I can't bear people who can't, I just can't bear it. I can't, I can't bear it. I just kind of need to take the keyboard away from them. Just, just, just stop it. Just (laughs) use both of your hands. Just, just let somebody else do it. Yeah, it was a bit painful, wasn't it? Just stop. And Carl did it later on as well. And I was like, oh my God, there's more one hand typing. I can't, I can't take this anymore. As if things haven't gone bad enough.
0: Oh. Christopher Lever, I think, is particularly good in this. I think he's really nailed the character. He's a lot more eccentric and a lot more confident and he owns the space, possibly because he's taken over from Moira Stewart as the central Argand.
1: I really liked him in this.
3: Right. Oh hello, madam. Hello, hey, sir, I see you made it. Oh, you've discovered the messages. Oh good, did you find anything useful, sir? Uh
2: possibly. Pardon? Possibly, uh, this might be the message. Sorry, sir? A little hard of hearing. Pardon, sir? I said, this might be the message Richard of York gave battle.
3: In vain, I believe, sir.
2: That's right. Yes. The colour of the rainbow. Colours of the
3: rainbow. He's... Sir, I'm sorry. It's totally my fault. I forgot to include the one you need. (laughs) It's, It's Alison C. Mahone, MD, I believe that's you, sir. No, <laughs> what? which know. is in
0: fact an anagram of my name, which is Nicholas Hammond. I think there's really only two of them in this. Is it just him and Charmian? Yeah, who's a little bit passive-aggressive at times.
3: Just um, hoping oh. to free Leslie. You're not having a lot of luck, are you? They yeah. keep spitting them. Why are you putting so many in? <clears throat> Have you got some spelling?
2: Only one, perhaps, is uh, Oh, well, we 60, don't know.
3: But... It says a 16 dragon piece. You might find it easier if you press the button. And I like
1: that he decides that if ever anybody asks him a question, he'll fall yes. asleep. I've certainly made a note of that
0: trick. That's a good policy.
1: Uh, I like that.
0: But, yeah, I think he's really, really good in this. He's especially good. He wasn't quite there in the first series, but he's just leaping off the screen. So where are you, Christopher? Come back to our screens.
1: Yes. Come on, Chris. Going back to Nicholas's dodgy one-finger typing, I would like to give a shout-out to the stroppy computer at this point. How are you? I am not at liberty to (laughs) avoid that information at this time, Nicholas. Yeah, that's right, Nicholas. Stop asking personal questions.
0: Yeah, they're on their BBC Model B computer. We had one in our school. A lot of schools would have had those. So that seemed very futuristic, having a game show where they could actually communicate with a computer. I
1: know. I know, I liked, I really liked that, and I did like House Dropping. It's people. like, wow,
0: we're, we're at the cutting edge here.
1: To be honest, it still seems quite futuristic having <laughs> that kind of level of computer. She kind of needed to know more about computers to use them back then. Like, any old idiot can use computer these days. Yeah, Pencils. they weren't so
0: user-friendly. Yes, other children's game shows, they had gunge, they had running around and screaming. This one has electromagnets and a computer
1: yep that's right it's it's the game show for us
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is a game show for the awkward quiet children i like that kind of magical idea that expired passwords still have a little bit of energy so if you say them loudly enough they could still work
1: yes i liked that Mm -hmm. and they they all tried to say it at the same time but they really didn't they totally didn't even (laughs) attempt it like one of them had finished saying it by the time another one had started and It was all a bit of a train wreck. But still, it worked. The door opened. That's the main thing. Nipo Nepo! Did you Did you say something? Look at that. Shall we go through, ladies? Would you you
3: like
2: to...
1: uh... Right. It's quite safe, is it? I don't know how any of them... Figuring out any of these things is basically the only thing that I keep writing. (laughs) Except for my rant. OMG. Can't believe they think Graham is the mole. The sods! I hope they all evaporate. <laughs> they don't deserve to win. Poor Graham—he's never done the thing wrong
0: in his life. Yeah, how did they pick Graham? I mean, we haven't quite reached that point yet. Have we not? Did other things happen? There are other things, yes. The whole game. Well, I made a note particularly of the Lowry picture, which has semaphore on it, because this is a bugbear of mine. Graham passed with flying colours. He was fine, but on so many of the other episodes, the celebrities would go, "Oh look, it's Morse code." And me, age seven, was going, that's not Morse code, that's semaphore. And that was the moment, I think, my sort of scales falling from the eyes moment of realising that celebrities weren't necessarily oracles of wisdom or pillars of information. Actually, they might have quite limited general knowledge. (laughs) They might know fewer things than a seven-year-old (laughs) at times.
1: They do the semaphore thing. Um, They... I don't, I don't even really remember what happens with that because it baffled me all so much. Yeah. I, I have very little memory of it so you're going to have to re-explain uh, it to me. It does blur
0: me. into one. Tell it
1: to me like I'm five.
0: The bit with the water displacement trick where they have to get some water to go down Christopher Levy's ear trumpet in order to make an artificial plant grow but they have to use water displacement so they have to put a balloon into a small hole inflate the balloon and get the water to go up there. That was, yeah, I really remember that. That was one that that's stuck in my mind quite
1: i never thought i'd see graham garden blowing up a balloon on national television but here we are
0: yeah
1: i mean i i've seen pretty much every i have seen every episode of the goodies several times i've seen graham garden do some very strange things and i never thought that blowing up a balloon on national television into a cylinder of water would be the weirdest thing but here we are
0: Mm. and also having to stand on scales in order to make the tube go down so they could press the button at the bottom of the tube. I really remember that one as well.
1: Wow, so you really do remember this episode very well. I,
0: yeah, this series in particular, Like I've seen bits of series three and four And some rings a bell, but this one, there's just something about the games. Maybe it was the age I was at. There's something quite almost sort of mythic or elemental or something about those particular games of having to do water displacement and get the tube to go down because they're standing on the scales and uh, the Richard of York gave battle in vain on the wall. Yes. And today's password and all those things, they're really glued to my memory. It's like, oh, yes, and then you've got to do that. And then she's in that room. And and then, uh, yes, the Drogner game as well on the floor. So much of it, I remember. Trying to figure
1: out what would have been the thing that made it stick in your mind so much. Probably Leslie Judd's treachery.
0: <laughs> I think it was just so so much unlike anything else and it was so tailored to fit a child's imagination. Like I say, rather than just throwing noise and colour at children and saying, just put them in front of the telly and they'll just watch this. Or on the other end of the scale, being a bit like Blue Peter. And Blue Peter was very good, but it's it could be a little bit worthy. It's like, right, we're going to tell you some things that you really ought to know. But this felt right. It felt like the producers had really got it bang on that they knew exactly what children like us would, what would grab our imaginations, what would really fire us, even the sort of games that were a little bit science-y, a little bit physics-y. There was a, a bit of an educational value to them. You weren't taking away specifics necessarily, but you were learning about water displacement and adding weights together and all that kind of thing. And So I've mentioned my friend Peter... A few times during this That uh, we were both quite keen on the adventure game So I sent him a, a message earlier today To ask him if he had any lingering thoughts And feelings around it Just to get like a, a third party Contemporary review on the adventure game
1: Did he say it, it didn't work It would have been better if it was Captain Kirk
0: <laughs> Yes, he said what? adventure game? Never heard of it mate <laughs> Right mate, never heard of it <laughs> Shut up <laughs> Get a life mate, he said No he didn't Wow <laughs> He doesn't even talk like that.
1: I've never even met Peter, but I can't imagine for one second from what I do know of him that he would ever say anything along those lines.
0: He doesn't even talk like that.
1: I bet he doesn't.
0: He said, I like how seriously they took their world, how uncompromising they were. If the vortex got you, the vortex got you. I think that, that helped it to feel real. Yes. Uh, he also said, for me, feeling a bit alienated from the world of normal, sensible adults and the world of pop stroke celebrity culture because Peter uh, probably even more so than me had no interest in pop and he didn't know who any of the pop stars were, who any of the film stars were, any of that kind of stuff. He said, it felt satisfying to see the representatives of these worlds at the mercy of this delightful, abstract fantasy world of puzzles, mazes, and inscrutable games with its own celebrities, such as the red salamander, who I think is series three or four. We didn't meet the red salamander, but he's, he's a champion who, so he's a celebrity on the world of ARG. Uh, I guess the abstraction and puzzles appealed in a similar way to The Phantom Tollbooth. I don't know if you know The Phantom Toll Booth, but that's something that appealed to me a lot as a child as well. It, making mathematics and words into this strange, dreamlike game.
1: It means nothing to me, Vienna.
0: It's, um, it's like one of the, the cornerstones of American literature for children. It seemed to put the priorities right. I never understood why space wasn't always first in the news. Yeah. So yeah, I think the interesting point that Peter's making is it, that it's not... It's not the adult world, but also it's not the regular children's world. It kind of falls between the two. Those of us who aren't into Madonna and going to discos and that kind of thing, we would have been a bit young for that anyway. But yeah, have that sort of interest in the pop culture, top of the cup pops world. This is our our slice of... Not
1: that there's anything at all wrong in Madonna or discos. No not at all Or even at the same time
0: No everyone has their own interests though And there's those of us in between That sort of fell through the cracks That was neither part of the boring grown up Six o'clock news adult world Nor the being interested in Madonna world So this, was, this felt like it was for us It felt like <laughs> Madonna's who...
1: getting right back in right now <laughs> No 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 she's <laughs> <us> fine <laughs> <laughs> i'm only teasing i'm only teasing
0: yeah this felt like this this was for us and it was by adults who got us it, they understood what our interests were and what what would appeal to me or appeal to us
1: yeah definitely definitely because the fortunately not all not all children are of the tiz was brigade
0: that's it yes it was it was sort of like the anti tiz was
1: banned in our house tiz was banned in our house
0: <laughs> Tisn't it? was yeah so if this program was rebooted today i asked you to have a think about who you think might have been brought on as guests
1: i don't know you see because i you see if it was brought back i just don't i think it's too much of its time
0: it wouldn't it wouldn't be identical but i think they could
1: i think it would probably be sort of you know similar people who you'd see all the time on the television anyway so you'd probably have you probably wouldn't have anybody quite as high profile as anton deck but you would probably have dick and dom they would definitely be on it
0: see i I don't know. You see, I think they tend not to have people from the zanier end of things. They tend to be more like Professor Heinz Wolf, and Richard Stilgo and Derek Griffiths. So perhaps the more
1: I bet Giles Brandreth would still have a go.
0: <laughs> He'd have. He'd a He'd love
1: that. Good old Giles.
0: <laughs> see, my list. I wrote down a list of people that I think would definitely be on it. I think Brian Cox,
1: Richard Osman, would do it.
0: Richard Osman was on my list.
1: Yeah definitely.
0: Dara O'Brien as well would be on it.
1: Oh, he'd be fighting everybody off to get he on would. it. He would. David Mitchell would love it.
0: He was on my list. And Victoria yeah. Corrin Mitchell.
1: Oh, they'd have to be there together, obviously. It'd, it'd be rude not to.
0: I think lots of people from Doctor Who, they would have tons of Doctor Who people. Uh, Mar- Bradley Walsh would. Bradley Walsh. I think David Tennant, Jodie Whittaker, Peter Capaldi, Pearl Mackey and Mandip Gill would all be definite. Warwick Davis would definitely be there. Warwick
1: Davis would lap that up.
0: I think any number of the Horrible Histories ghosts people.
1: Oh my God. I w- oh my God. I want to see a special of this with just the Horrible Histories lot. It will be brilliant. Ben would take it so seriously. Ben would be like, we are literally on the planet's arg right now. Um, Larry would be there killing himself laughing. It's It's a goddamn game show, Benjamin. <laughs> Oh my god, I'd love it. And Jimmy'd just like be making everybody lunch. It'd be oh it'd be great. And then Martha and Simon would be giggling in the background and oh I just love it. I just love it. Can we have this please? I
0: think they would have Nadia Hussein, I think they would get Darren Brown, Rob Bryden would do it, they would have Lando Norris, I think, and they would somehow swing Mark Hamill. No one would quite know how, but he'd turn up on it and everyone would go, It's it's Mark Hamill, what's he doing on this?
1: Yeah, Mark Hamill would randomly Warwick Davis. Well, because Warwick Davis is going on, he'd get marked.
0: Of course, he? yes, because they're friends. So, yeah, that's that's my list.
1: That's a way better list than mine. I just <laughs> couldn't think of anybody because I was I was too busy being like, "What's going on?" I You're
0: don't too understand.
1: baffled. <laughs> because I'm like, seriously, you would not get Joey Essex on this.
0: No, that's it. I mean, I think. The temptation would be, oh, everything's rubbish now, so it would be really cheap, tacky people. But there actually, there are some really good people around still. Yeah. There are plenty of smart. Yeah.
1: There, there, are, still, there are still people con mm.
0: Now. Ah. Oh.
2: This is part two of the message. You'll find the way out by using the password after striking the clock. Striking the, the clock. clock. Right. Now, are there any other clocks around?
0: Graham is the leader of this group, I think, but in a much more low-key way that Robert was the leader of the first group.
1: Yes, for a number of reasons, Graham is a quieter person in general and is i don't think I don't think he would go up against Avon in any way shape or form <laughs> no. to be honest. I think he'd probably sit and have a brew with villa
0: <laughs> I think normally it would basically default to the male celebrity being the natural leader of the group yeah, I don't think it would be that way now, but back in the early eighties. Essentially, in most of these, the male celebrity is just by default the one who's leading things. Mm. So even if they are very low stress and low energy, like Graham Gardner's, is, just the other two look to him, like you're the leader, you're the man, you're the famous one, you're the
1: chap, you make the decisions,
0: you're top of the pile here. And
1: Graham's like, oh God, no, this isn't this is, <laughs> this is not how I do it. Yes. I usually, I usually let Tim make all of the decisions and then let him and Bill argue about it. I, I, this is not where I come in at all. He does a good enough job of it and, you know, he.
0: and then they repay him. So for anyone who's not familiar, they are then confronted with this idea that one of them is a traitor, one of them is working for the Argons and they have to out them and they get evaporated. And they almost never choose leslie for some reason even though she's on the planet already just the fact that they've rescued her from prison just psychologically it doesn't occur to them that it can be leslie although uh nicholas does oh no graham, it occurred thinks to it's... graham
1: he's like yeah but she pushed me into that tunnel <laughs> and she's done a few dodgy things
0: she's always one step ahead of us he says
1: i think it's leslie and everybody else is like nah it's graham
0: graham yeah because he's the best one or yeah, that's they're jealous, right. they're that, jealous because they can't him.
1: concentrate with him parading around in those trousers <laughs> any longer they've got to try and get back to earth they've got to concentrate vote on, it. Vote. Vote on it vote for Leslie 15 uh, seconds uh,
3: for Graham <laughs> God, a I five. think it's Graham <laughs>
1: sorry
2: Leslie well it's not me because it, Leslie has, has been quickly. one step ahead of us once or twice
3: 5 Eight. seconds yes it's on the other <laughs> No, but on the other hand, you did go down that tunnel. I did. Ah, no. <gasps> Mom! Mom! go to your hole.
2: But I'm innocent, I tell you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Look>. Team, <laughs> you—you evaporated one of your friends. It was. And you can't evaporate it me was. because what? I'm the no. mole. Oh, and, and I've panic. had blown up now, but my fun's not over yet. I'll see you again shortly. Carry yes, on, I'm afraid Nick. Leslie's been Come trying on, to Johnny. delay you, but if you take everything you've found and follow me, you can carry on.
0: Mm. Nick, we've done That's a terrible, terrible thing. thing. Come on, you
3: haven't much time before the vortex goes. The
0: what? Yeah, so they out-Graham as the the traitor. He gets evaporated.
1: He gets evaporated, but not properly big-time evaporated. Like, he doesn't die.
0: He's just elsewhere in the in the complex. And then Leslie immediately goes suckers she does she reveals that she was the mole
1: it's the funniest thing she's ever heard and they're all like oh my god we betrayed (laughs) graham and graham's probably out there shaking his fist
0: when i realized it was about to be the mole game i was starting to get the adrenaline and the butterflies were you? Yeah, it's like, oh, this is... It's oh. starting to get serious now. Oh. And this, I think, also makes it feel like more of an adventure than the first series, that it does have plot progression. It has these kind of climaxes of, like, this oh, it's starting to actually it, yeah get serious. And there's a bit earlier on where the gang is split up and Graham goes off down the black hole and that kind of thing. And, and then, but we're heading inexorably towards the vortex game at the end and in a way I think a a lot of the time spent viewing this as a child you're essentially sitting through it it's all legwork just to get to the vortex game to get to the best bit it's like just basically eating your meal in order to get to the pudding
1: yes very much like that
0: it's the hard work it's the chore yes
1: yes it's the vegetables.
0: So they—they are—they seem a little bit adrift without Graham. So even though he's very, very low key, he still has that leader role. So Nicholas and Carol. Carol just gets increasingly panicky as things go along. She really starts to. She can't handle
1: it. She just can't stand it. She's
0: buying into this.
1: Yeah. I'll give her that. She's. Well, she's really buying into it. She's. She's like, I am going to be evaporated by the vortex. She's not thinking. Oh, there's going to be <laughs> a bloody kind show. of noise, and then I'll have to go and stand in front of a green screen. Yeah,
0: there's
1: not. There's none of that going on. She's yeah, a hundred percent bought herself into it, and she feels like she's and she she panics when they have to sort of pay the fare to get yes back into the shuttle because she isn't sure if they've got enough money. It's like you you're still in the studio, Carol. It's fine. <laughs>
0: If this was a film she'd be the character who eventually just has a complete meltdown. Oh she would be.
1: I did feel like her shoes probably weren't sensible enough for all of the leaping about that like she had to do over the mosaics. No,
0: they were quite um they were good for bursting balloons, but that was about it.
1: Yes. I actually did make notes of footwear more than I expected to really? now that I'm thinking about it, because I made a note about Graham in the balloon bursting bit. Hmm. He can't burst balloons in those sensible loafers. In fact, I have some exactly the same, but in brown. (laughs) And then in the first first episode that we watched, I made the note that it's a bit like the crystal maze. Avon doesn't know what a cross is. Those Cuban heels are pretty spectacular, though.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's wearing Cuban heels, isn't he?
1: He's wearing Cuban heels. I mean, like, nobody wore them after 1964, (laughs) I don't think, but he's there (laughs) rocking them stolidly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he doesn't even care anymore.
0: They do an actual adventure game, like a text computer text adventure game on their BBC Model they B do. computer. Yes. They win some crystals, so we have a little call forward to the crystal maze. The Crystals are very, very pretty. They are so pretty. And I think they're trying to make a, a joke out of the fact that they're pure glass. Yeah, and it's a bit of a oh, a bit of a naff cheap prize, but actually they're so pretty that no, actually they they are really nice.
1: It's a lovely prize. I don't think I don't think anybody will be upset about them.
0: They're a lot smaller than I remember. Unless the later ones were bigger, or I'm just thinking of the crystal maze ones, which are about the size of a small apple. But these were about the size of a chestnut. Then it was time for the vortex game, the bit, the moment we've bum, all been bum, waiting for. Bam.
1: They get reunited with Graham for a Graham
0: moment. is peeved.
1: He's peed. It's
0: the awkward moment where they weren't expecting that they would again have to come face-to-face with Graham.
1: And he says, and I, I did transcribe this, shame on you, Leslie. <laughs> and he gives her such a little cheeky look. I have been the recipient of that look, and I am telling you that Leslie would have swooned.
3: <laughs>
1: it's a very swoon-worthy look.
0: He's nice. a very,
1: very sweet man.
0: He seems it. I don't it. think
1: he could properly get grumpy about anything. <laughs> I think, tut, 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 shame on you, Leslie, is, <laughs> so uh, furious is probably as, he gets. As, as close as he gets.
0: Yeah, so what did you think to the Vortex game? Uh,
1: well, I found it nerve-wracking, <laughs> <Good.
0: laughs>
3: to be honest.
1: I was like, <laughs> because the lady, whose name I can't remember, she she went across the thing and it was fine. And I was like, well, this is a bit of a silly game. Fuff. And then you found out that they can't see the human people can't see the vortex. Oh my God, then it was fraught.
0: For anyone who hasn't seen this, and there will be some listeners like my sister Emily, hello, who always listens to this, but won't have oh, hello, won't, but won't have seen it it's a it's a large board of interlocking triangles and they step onto a a space and then the vortex steps onto a space but they can't see the vortex and if they move into the same space as the vortex they get vaporised so the vortex is controlled by the Argons and by Graham and because they can't see it it's essentially random there's no real strategy they can use effectively because they've no idea whether they're, they're about to step onto the vortex the only rule is that the vortex cannot get them they have to stand on it. They have to move onto it. It can't move onto their square. Right.
1: I didn't know about that rule.
0: Yeah, I think they didn't explain it on this one, but they on other episodes they have explained that rule. Uh-huh. So they have to actually be the one to actively move onto its space in order to lose. And if they step onto it, there's an effect, and they uh, evaporate. <laughs> Got one. one! They do evaporate. Yeah. The upside of Graham being vaporised as the mole earlier on and then reappearing later, is that he doesn't have to do the vortex game. That's true. So that he actually survives to get onto the uh, shuttle at the end. He gets to zoom off in the shuttle and Nicholas and Carol have to walk home. And that is also very evocative, that idea. There's a signpost that says, ARG one way and the the other way. And the shuttle whizzes past. There's a kind of top of the pops effect as it whizzes past. You imagine in your child's mind eye that you see the shuttle go past, but you don't. You just hear it, and there's a streaking, blurring effect as it goes past, a video effect. Uh, But it's going too fast to pick them up, and they're very cold out in space. Oh, well, we better walk. Hopefully somebody will pick us up on the way back, and they have to forlornly set off back to Earth. And there is a... I think this happens a lot with children watching this sort of thing on TV, that there is a midway suspension of disbelief in that we know it's not real what (laughs) we know that this is all being filmed in a studio somewhere
1: well yes they do say it's all being filmed in a studio somewhere that also happens to be on another planet
0: you know it's not really taking place but you're not thinking about it being in a studio you're in that nice midpoint where it's it's not even like star wars where you're you're properly suspended disbelief and you're watching a real thing happening and that's full suspension of disbelief that you know, it's just a film, but you're really in it. And this is kind of a midway thing where it's so obviously a game show in a studio, but you're really buying into, in quite a pure way, buying into the fact that we're now on this planet. But we're not really, but we are. Yeah. It's difficult to explain because I think there's so much baggage comes with being an adult and just being aware of the fact that they're in a studio and they've arrived at TV centre in a taxi and all that. No I,
1: no, I do get it. I do get it. Very much, because I kind of feel the same way. But we all know how ridiculous my (laughs) disbelief is.
0: I think we can, as an adult, suspend disbelief fully for fiction, for a film or a book or a TV drama. Yeah. But this kind of game show, it's harder to do it to that degree.
1: Yeah, but it is easier because there is a very vague plot or angle, I think. Kind of like how you feel when you play Cluedo. You know it's just a game, but for however long it is that you're playing it, god damn it you're in a big mansion somebody's killed dr black and you just hope it isn't you
0: yes that's a good way of putting it i like that
3: yeah race you to the crystals right
0: (laughs) great well i think i'll get changed
3: (laughs) it was wonderful it was Bet they're cold out there tonight. Oh, don't worry. Someone's going to come along and give them a lift. Oh, oh Nick, you as well. Yes, yes. Oh, walking, dear. We'll have to try and hitch a lift, I think. Yes. Quick. Let's... No good. Oh, God. Yeah, what do we do? Down. Well, I've got to walk. Keep, keep
0: walking. Right. right. If that was the adventure game. It was. Thank you for watching it. it thank you adventure. for... Thank you for sharing this essential piece of my childhood.
1: It's it's been a joy, Adam.
0: I didn't realise until I watched again how much of an essential part of my childhood it was. I think, which is why this this episode is possibly longer than it was intending to be when I set out on it. Ah, but never mind. Yeah. So, did you have a favourite character?
1: Um. Yeah, I liked. The... I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. I like the little man.
0: Oh, uh, Christopher Lever, the main guy. The yes. white-haired guy.
1: Yes, yes. It's difficult to remember
0: it. the character names because they are all anagrams of dragons, so they're all quite similar names.
1: It, yeah, it's like... it is That is quite tolkien because everybody basically has the same name in that.
0: <laughs> I think we all know that uh, he's not a character, but probably Robert Malos Caused us both stress.
1: Oh, he caused us such a lot of stress, t- <laughs> and he caused Avon quite a bit of stress as well. To be fair, <laughs> I think we were stressed out on Avon's behalf.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, was there a, a favourite and least favourite aspect about it?
1: Um, well, uh, it's always a joy to see Graham Garden doing anything. I really like see I like seeing Graham Garden and Paul Darrow be more themselves because it's nice to feel like you're getting to know them a bit
0: this is true yeah
1: um I, and I, I liked that and i liked the fact that they well certainly graham came across very much as he is as as far as you know as far as as far as my knowledge of him goes he is very much like that not like very quiet very sweet a little bit cheeky <laughs> and so going by that I like I like to think that Paul Darrow would have been very would have been more like him in his episode as well and so that think so. that was nice I liked I liked the aspect of feeling like you got to spend a bit of time with these people that you've seen on television
0: yeah and I think you wouldn't normally get that because even an interview with them wouldn't be the same as just spending some real time with them working out puzzles that's a bit more yeah. natural and a bit more Get to see them actually... Just
1: be who they are. Be
0: themselves, yeah.
1: Because you can't... While you're trying to solve those kinds of puzzles, you cannot keep up a character. You have
3: to. <laughs> no.
1: Nobody's got the brain power for that. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. The thing I didn't like were... The, just... Who the hell thought these things up?
0: <laughs> Patrick Dowling. I told you already.
1: Yes, well, why did he why did he feel that it necessitated somebody making their own electromagnet? I'm never going to be over the electromagnet. I'm never going to be over
0: it. You won't, will you? <laughs> Made of nuts. I'm,
1: I'm just going to be sat in a corner with Paul and Leslie eating <laughs> peanuts and letting Robert get on with it. Um, yeah, that was just just how completely out there and how much out of the box thinking each of the tasks entailed, drove me insane. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because my brain does not work like that. I would not have got on well in that show at all. No, Um, I don't
0: think I would have. But I would have known what semaphore (laughs) was.
1: (laughs) And also, we're we're too anxious. We're far too anxious. We are far too anxious. (laughs) because, uh, Because we'd be going through the whole thing having to solve these ridiculous puzzles... And all the while thinking, oh, God, I've got the Vortex game to come now. Oh, yes. God, no. Oh, no, I'm going to be evaporated. Oh, yeah, God, no, 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 be no, 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 no. It, be, it would be, be reduced to my component We will be atoms. terrible at this game. I'm just going to put yeah, it out there right now. I think so. Um, so, yeah, they were my best. But my favourite bit.
0: bit was the Vortex and remains and will always be the Vortex. Yeah. So do you think you would watch any more episodes?
1: I would probably watch episodes of Ones that have got people I know of.
0: Yes, that makes sense.
1: Um, I would watch. I w- I would like to watch that to see, to to see how they really are.
0: You have no emotional investment in the show, so you've no real reason to slavishly work your way through every episode, soaking it up.
1: No, exactly.
2: Take that gibbon
0: by the hand, listen to the rhythm
1: of the band, slap him
0: up
2: and down upon the floor. Oh. Yeah, tickle his feet and hear him giggle, then unzip him down the middle. Give that the word, are you for?
1: Well, thank you very much for sharing one of your favourite ever shows with me. It's been a joy as ever. And it thank you, has. everybody, for listening in. It's been lovely to have you. Next week is my turn again, and I am going to give you a little clue as we do every week. And my clue this week is. <clears throat> Open Channel D. That's right, I went there. Oh yeah, that's what we're doing. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh Anyone who Uh knows it
0: will know exactly what you're alluding to.
1: I can't wait. Oh my god, this is going to be amazing. Anyway, if you would like to get in touch with us, you are more than welcome to. Our Twitter account is at retro underscore tube. And our email address is retrotubepodcast at gmail.com and we are always happy to hear from you and we are pretty good at getting back to you as well. Um, so, you know, give it a whirl. Let us know what you think. I mean, be nice because... Of know, course. We, we both we both have crippling inferiority complexes, so, you yeah. <laughs> know, be gentle with us. Yeah. <laughs> That is all that I have to say on the matter this week. And how about you, Adam? You can have the last word, as ever.
0: I didn't mention Doogie Rev once. I think you probably will, yes. yes. Mm
2: -hmm. Promenade a gibbon round the hall. Bounce a button down like a rubber ball. Drop him on the floor and trample on his toe. Swing him by the tail from the chandelier. Happy with a hamster in his ear. All he needs is a parrot up his nose.
0: This is Adam S. Leslie, co-host of this very podcast. My folk horror novel, Lost in the Garden, is now out and available in all good bookshops, including Blackwell's and Waterstone's. Don't talk to strangers, don't play on the farm, and don't go to Almonby. Heather's on-off boyfriend Stephen has gone to the mysterious village of Almonby. He went for two weeks, and no one has seen him in six months. The only trace of him which remains is his voice, distantly calling for help, drifting across the fizz of shortwave radio. With a couple of friends in tow, Heather sets off through a warped, distended version of the English countryside, baking in perpetual summer, to track Stephen down, and to find out for herself why everyone says, don't go to Almondby. Author Eric LaRocca called Lost in the Garden, eerily enchanting and profoundly inventive, a dreamy and unsettling masterwork. This is one of the freshest and most spiritually rewarding novels I've read in quite some time. And author Matt Wozolowski described it as like trying to recall a troubling and beautiful dream. It's like peering through a wound in the world, sorrowful and uncanny and utterly stunning. This book is magnificent, like nothing I've ever read before. Thank you, Matt and Eric. Lost in the Garden by Adam S. Leslie, published by Dead Books, priced at 10 dollars 99 Look for the pink and white cover.